It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Welcome, everybody, once again. It's another installment of J.C. and Morgan, and we hope you're doing well. We apologize. We're a day tardy this week, uh, and that will uh, explain why you will not hear J.C.'s voice today. J.C. has uh, had a little bit of a, a family emergency taken care of. It seems like all things are, are good news there. He is fine. It's a, uh, a family member, and uh, it seems like everything is in uh, certainly better shape than it looked like it could be yesterday. <clears throat> so uh, thoughts and prayers out to uh, J.C., his wife, and her family, uh, and hopefully we'll check back with J.C. later on next week in the meantime i am mike Mor- <clears throat> excuse me i am mike morgan of espn sec network and michael haney who you've heard now for a while as the uh, third voice uh will be not just the third voice he'll be the third and the second voice basically you'll be two voices basically you'll be schizophrenic and have two personalities which we're kind of used to michael so uh welcome aboard number 174 on jc and morgan which today will serve uh in terms of a uh, voice standard it'll be more of Haney and Morgan. Michael yeah. Haney, how are you from, from the Music City? I'm doing very well, Mike. Doing very well. And uh, yeah, those that know me best know that um, I got layers, man. So uh, I so. got layers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were uh, you've, you've hosted shows for for years, sports talk shows for years. Uh, so this will be nothing new to you. It's not like we're, uh, you know, saying, hey, um, here's the, the keys to a Lamborghini. Now go participate in the Indy 500. Um this will be old hat for you. clutch man just grinding it i don't know just grinding it yeah exactly so we're gonna we're gonna do uh the same kind of format that we have we'll, we'll kick in with the hot haney five there'll just be one uh, fewer voice commenting on it uh we'll have the sec spotlight as we do each and every week we will have uh some under the radar notes uh some don't sleep on the pick five and a, an extra little bonus at the end that we're going to add to the format of this podcast. I, I'm not going to lie to you, Michael. I have been brimming, uh, brimming with stuff that I just want to get into. Um, we talk all off season now about how it's no longer the same and that so many juicy stories come down the line. We talk about in August, how instead of spending time on, you know, the same old quarterback battles and depth chart issues and injuries, it, it was all about what it was about realignment. It's about what is the future of the sport. It's about the college football playoff expansion. So here we are in the middle of the season and you feel like you're just going to talk ball, but uh, I don't think there's any question. The dominating overriding storyline has been where we are now, which is college football has gone an extra step into mirroring the NFL and that, we no longer just have free agency for players, just like the NFL. We fire coaches in the middle of the season. And in fact, we do it earlier than in the NFL, because not a whole lot of NFL coaches without some major uh, controversy or scandal get fired in like September, October. But in college football, that's becoming the norm. And we have now four and five uh, on the power five coach list. Remember, there's only like, what, 63 power five schools because notre dame i think is 64 so we're we're only we're we're only talking about 
uh, five dozen or so schools at this level that have a coach. Okay. Five of them have already been fired. And as we record this on October the 5th, you get the feeling we're not done. So uh, that to me, Michael stood out. Yes. We're going to get into games. Yes. We're going to get into, uh, you know, where are we now in turn? I, I think there's the other major storyline for me is, yeah, it's still kind of dry at the top. Georgia hadn't looked great, but they're still one of those top three. Alabama reminded people, uh, as I thought they would in that game, that, uh, yeah, uh, we're, we're still that damn good, even when our Heisman Trophy quarterback gets hurt. And, and Ohio State is starting to look like what we thought Ohio State would be all along. The, the battle for four, who the hell knows? I mean, is it, is it Clemson? Is it Southern Cal? Is it Michigan? That's a story, but the, 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 the better stuff, and this is what I love about college football. And then I'll um, stop my, my opening monologue here. The, the beautiful thing about college football, as I've always said, is that the fans of those particular programs, it's not irrelevant to them just because they're not in the playoff. If I hear one more national pundit say, well, this is all the byproduct of a 14 playoff. Now fans don't care as much if they're not in the playoff and coaches are getting fired because they're not in the play. Malarkey. Like, how long have you been following the sport? If that's your lead-in, the fans still care just as much about their team, even if they know they have no chance of the playoff. Like, I, I don't see any dissipation in the passion and the care and the interest level of, of fan bases because they're not going in. Most of these programs that are not going in the playoff weren't going in the BCS title game. They weren't going in the Bowl Alliance. They weren't. So nothing has changed for them just because we have a fourteen playoff. That's that's a fallacy. And the other one is, well, the reason why coaches are no, the reason why coaches are getting fired now, it, it there's multiple layers, and we'll get into it. But it, it's not because all of a sudden there's a 14 playoff or a 12 team playoff. Like this was bound to happen, even if we had the same ridiculous, antiquated, nonsensical BCS setup that we suffered through for 12 years. So uh, with that, Michael, I'll say that those are some of the things that stood out without even getting specific into games, which of course we'll do over the next hour or so. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that, um, you know, the passion of college football fans is is underestimated by some, which seems shocking for those that cover the sport. I mean, it's there's only a handful that can get in and, and can compete for the highest prize every single year um, right now. And, and I think anybody that's followed along with the sport understands that. But the 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 buildup and the year round talking and and anticipation that, that comes up, I mean, it may only be a three and a half month season. But it's really year round for a lot of folks in a lot of towns and a lot of cities across uh, across America that really love their college football teams. And, you know, no, it may not be the NFL, but and while it may be skewing closer to it, as you mentioned, uh, there's there's nothing that you can take away from uh, the, the locality and the localities of of these towns and these cities where they embrace their college football and they can't wait for it. And, and if they lose three or four games in a year. Yeah, it sucks. And they're going to bitch about it when, right. when they lose. They're going to bitch about winning some games sometimes because they might not have won enough. But at the end of the day, as long as you're not, you know, losing every single week, people are going to be once it's once it's done, it's kind of a um, I guess more of a philosophical thing like, hey, just take some time to look up at the stars, you know, and enjoy the fact that you get to go and right. watch your college football team. You get six or seven, maybe eight home games a year and you get to go enjoy it with family and friends. Take it for what it's worth. And that hasn't changed. Like, you know, Mississippi State has never won a national title in football. I don't know if they're ever going to be in a college football playoff. 
you don't think they're passionate about their bulldogs? <laughs> if you cowbells are going to be ringing, baby. Cowbells are ringing. You can't get a ticket. They tailgate. Ole Miss. I mean, Lane Kiffin got on those fans a little bit. That was a great environment for the game against Kentucky. South Carolina continues to 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 pack it and get loud, even on a uh, a non plus Thursday night game against a Miac opponent. Like it, it, there, there's no issue with that. And even when you're seeing empty seats in the stands, those same people that decided I'm not going, well, they're still watching on TV and they're still going on message boards and they're still going on social media to keep up with the latest and the greatest on their favorite program. So the, the playoff hasn't taken away anything. I have issues with the playoff the way it's been done. And I never thought four was the ideal number, but I, I knew it was a, a stepping stone. Like you, you're talking about a sport that has moved at a glacial pace for over a century we were going to have to get to four before we ever got to 12. And that's, that's the way it is, but the playoff hasn't taken away. Ratings are up. Season tickets are more expensive for a reason. That's based on supply and demand. Uh, people like our man, JC, who's one of the key cogs of 24 seven sports. I mean, they, that whole company is based on fan bases, not just that are ones that are going to the playoff every year. Uh, the ones that, give a you-know-what about their teams, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And when fans are pissed off, that means they care. I don't see a whole lot of apathy out there. So that being said, I'm uh, sorry, go ahead. Before we well, tap into the... Well, no, I was I was just going to to say, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan. Right. And, and there's a line in season two where uh, if you watch the show, you know this. And if you don't... I have seen it now. I finally watched it. Um, but there is a um, there's a line with uh, the owner of, of the team when she's she's arguing with her mother and her mom says, I'll, I will take your anger over your indifference any day. Right. Right. That's the point. That's the point. There is nothing worse for an athletic director to have than apathy. Uh, like you take for something like, for example, the University of Miami. That's a different I know I'm, I'm not trying to pile on Miami. I know. <laughs> I know I've had a little bit of fun, not at the University of Miami. I have friends that went to Miami. A good friend of mine who I've known since I was 10 years old uh, is a prominent doctor, went to Miami, smart kid, good guy. Uh, you, you, no, no dummies get degrees at University of Miami. Uh, it's the part of the fan base that, again, has never stepped within 10 miles of Coral Gables that uh, sometimes doesn't always represent the program in the best way. But when you look at their stadium, which is – again, far from campus, and that's a whole other issue. But that's the exception to the rule. Most fan bases are completely dialed in. Uh, and I think we, if, if there ever was a chance where the common college football fan was going to take these falls for granted and start to nitpick away at things they don't like, uh, COVID and a year of having virtually no fans and very little environment. It was, it was like college football light and we all, we all went through it and I think it was the right move to have it. Um, but it reminded you, man, we just love it a heck of a lot more when it's normal. It is back to normal. And uh, I, I, again, there's a lot of really good storylines this year. If you're one of these people that you just, you kind of, uh, parachute in on college football coverage i won't mention any names but like there's one prominent national host that i i listen to because i'm a fan of his show but it's clear he knows nothing about college football and he just you know just oh well my source tells me my source tells me uh why don't you have some opinions or takes of your own but you'd rather talk 15 minutes of lebron james 
then go over anything that happened the past weekend in college football. When we've had Tim Brando on the on the show, on our podcast, he's brought this up. Like, he's amazed at all of these debate shows that come on. And I get it. The NFL is always going to be king. But you can't find at least one segment in a two-hour, a three-hour, a four-hour show to to – go ahead and serve the needs of the college football fan. Like to me, you're missing the mark. It's only the second most popular thing we have on the sports calendar. Everything, every metric tells you that, but, but some of the hosts, quite frankly, they'll tell you, well, we do the calculus and it's no, no, no. You just don't know the sport. You don't love the sport. Your comfort zone is elsewhere. And that's where you gravitate. So anyway, enough of that diatribe. What do we have on the hot Haney five? This is where the stinger plays. Hot 85. And then we just go and eventually it'll sound like that. You know, but the great thing is that we we have this recorded. So we're uh, going to lift that. Just we'll use that. Oh, that I mean, we'll, we'll put that in every week. How about I, uh, you know, I, you do some voiceover work. I've done a little in the past and uh, that right there, that's going to make me a lot of money. All right. Perfect. We'll get you lined up for that. But the hot Haney <laughs> five. Uh, hey, Mike, as you said, maybe these national guys will uh, devote a segment if we do actually get closer and closer to the NFL or our professional style of um, of college sports here. But the coaching carousel, two more tokens dropped in the box here to speed up this carousel this past week. I think we were we were talking ahead uh, of the show, um, and, and I joined you guys towards the end of last season and into the offseason as we got through the holidays and, and bowl games and stuff like that. And through five uh, shows now, including this one of the JC and Morgan podcast, I believe almost every single show – has been uh, dealing with a coaching change. So it's it's kind of where we are, whether it's at the end of the season uh, or now the beginning of the season, I believe in the second week, or actually, I think it was the second week uh, when, we, when we got the Scott Frost news and I asked, hey, are we at a place now where we're going to start seeing colleges fire coaches earlier in the season rather mm-hmm. than later in the year? And you agreed that we're already there and that's where we are. Uh, who yep. could have possibly known that it would be this bad, but... Carl Durrell uh, at Colorado. Um, I think anyone that's been paying attention the, the last couple of years could have seen that w- that was coming. Uh, a lot of folks that cover the sport and know it very well kind of raised some eyebrows at that particular hire uh, to begin with and, and wondered if it would be uh, something that was a fit uh, for the program there. Uh, but uh, Carl Durrell, uh, maybe fortunately for him in this situation, Mike, uh, he became the Farrah Fawcett to Paul Christ at Wisconsin's Michael Jackson. Because once Wisconsin fired Paul Christ, everyone's like, wait, what the hell? Wisconsin fired Paul Christ? Are you kidding me? Are you, you, you seem perplexed. Help, help me up. Fair, I, uh, Fair Fair Fawcett Fawcett died, died she the died same, the same day Michael Jackson did. So oh, inst- I forgot that. Instead of getting her her love yeah. that, that she could have, you know, when the 24-hour or 48-hour news cycle yeah, right. it was all about MJ. and Oh, uh, and oh that's in there. I'm disappointed, man. I thought you would get that one. So, I, well, I had to think about it. There's yeah. a lot of storylines about Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. the few, there was her appearance on Letterman where she was wacko jacko, and everybody was wondering what's wrong with Farrah. And then, uh, and then you're right, she died. I didn't know it was the same day. I forgot about it. What are we talking yeah. about? 2010. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a minute. Yeah. So it's not it like has. that happened yesterday. You kind of threw me that curveball. Yeah, no. But I figured you would get that one. And I, uh, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. Right. I, I like it. I like it. All right, uh, but, but may, I, I may she rest in peace, Farrah. May she rest in peace, absolutely, and, and get. Unlike uh, Michael, she didn't have a doctor giving her a bunch of illegal drugs that kind of induced uh, a death. She might not have a doctor giving it. No. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, sorry. Too soon. So wow. sorry. 
So sorry, oh. but but okay. we get we get two coaching uh, fires uh, here uh, over the weekend. Mike Carl Durrell at Colorado, but the big 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 head scratcher for everyone uh, is Paul Christ at Wisconsin, a, a guy who had uh, appeared uh, three times in Big Ten title games, a Rose Bowl appearance. Uh, great winning percentage. I believe he was 67 and 28 in his time there. I mean, he is Wisconsin. Um, but you talk about the these, uh, you know, these fan bases and, and these these communities outside of beer and cheese in Wisconsin. The only thing they love uh, just as much, if not more, is football uh, in Wisconsin. So uh, we've got the Badgers making a, a, a wild head scratching move here uh, this early in the season. Your your thoughts first on Paul Christ, and then we'll get to to the Buffaloes and Carl Durrell. Okay, this is the one. This is the one that is, uh, and I use this analogy a lot, it's the, the, the cold bucket of ice water over everybody's head that says, whoa, we've reached a different level of cutthroat. Like, no one's surprised about Carl Durrell. Um, no one is surprised about Jeff Collins, Scott Frost, Herm Edwards. Like, th- those were... The surprise meter was between zero and one. This one's different. Uh, even Gus Malzahn, who had success against Alabama, did some good things at Auburn. You knew it was untenable for a while, and y- 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 there were warning signs all over. Like, my coach is about to get whacked in three miles, two miles. Here's the off-ramp. This one, I, I like. part of me says, Mike, you should have seen it coming. Because Wisconsin looks at themselves and they say, okay, maybe we're not Michigan, Ohio State. Just like in the SEC, maybe we're not Georgia, Alabama. But in the SEC, LSU has won a title. Uh, Florida won three not that long ago. Uh, Auburn played for national titles and won one in 2010. You know, you look at it and you say, well, why can't we do that at Wisconsin? We're not going to we're not going to take over Ohio State, but we can at least make it to one playoff or one championship game. We can win one Big Ten title. We can, that is that is kind of the only justification I can find for this. This guy had a winning percentage of over 70, which was higher, by the way, than Gus Malzahn. You mentioned some of the accolades, okay? He took over in 2015. They went 10 and 3, 11 and 3, 13 and 1, 8 and 5, 10 and 4. I'm going to skip over the COVID year. Uh, 9 and 4. And then this year they're off to a 2 and 3 start. I think two things. The final just death blow was you lost to Brett Bielema and you did so at home and a bad, bad performance. And Brett Bielema, that name still, like, it, it makes, it, it gets the blood curling for Wisconsin fans. And to see Brett Bielema go in there and take it to Wisconsin, that did not sit well at all. Um, the other thing is, they believe they can't lose here. You've got Jim Leonard, one of the hottest assistant coaches out there, who many believe, if they don't give him the job, is going to leave and take a head coaching job somewhere else. Or, you take that Leipold guy. I, I did a deep dive on him a couple weeks ago. You remember where I said he won six national titles? What what division three school was that, Michael? Uh, I don't. Or what state was it in? It was it was in Wisconsin. It yeah. was in Wisconsin. Wisconsin Whitewater is is the and don't ask me what the mascot is, but it's in Wisconsin. 
And so you got, I, I can't, I'd love to see like a straw poll of who the fans want, because do you go with the established brand? Do you go with the hot assistant? Both have ties right there to your home state. But anyway, neither Chris is also a guy with, with ties to the, to the state and the school, but they believe they can't lose if they get one of those two guys. So I think those were the final two factors. Uh, and I would just say this, like, this is now, this is now that final warning that nobody is safe from this. I mean, if there wasn't an $85 million price tag to fire Jimbo Fisher, and we'll get into that later, I'm not so sure if he would be safe. We're, we're looking at a new situation. And the fact that you would fire a guy that won 10 or more games in four out of seven years, went to a Rose Bowl, won the Holiday Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, the Mayo Bowl, the Vegas Bowl. My goodness, uh, that just tells me you're going to see a lot more of this. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite the head scratcher, especially when you have not just the winning percentage during the regular season, but in the postseason, too. I mean, I know bowl games can be a crapshoot and you never quite know which teams you're going to be getting. But to win almost every bowl game, was it six? You, you named six there out of yeah. Out of had, the one loss was the Rose. Rose bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. Six I mean, out of seven bowl games he won. It's just, I mean, absurd. I, I mean, do, doing a little bit of a deeper dive in this, you know, I, I guess there's some level of justification, um, you know, coming from those that cover the team that, you know, maybe the recruiting had become an issue and that they weren't recruiting as well. And, and that, that was something that they didn't want to get, get stale. Um, mm-hmm. According to uh, Jesse Temple, who writes for the athletic uh, and, and covers the Badgers? That was one of the issues. Yeah. But I don't know that you want to blow up the entire program because maybe you have one bad cycle. And and given everything that we've just said, given his given his ties to the program, I, I'm I'm baffled. Uh, I'm still baffled uh, by the the decision to do it. I mean, you you laid out, hey, you've got a, a great assistant that you're afraid is going to get away. You got a guy that's having uh, an amazing year at Kansas. Who I'm, you know. Not going to get too deep into this. I'm not so sure he wants to leave uh, Kansas right now. Yeah. He seems like the kind of guy that I might want to milk this for a little bit longer than I can and become a living legend <laughs> in Lawrence, Kansas. The only uh, cautionary tale on that is Matt Campbell, yep. Iowa State. Yep, yep. Look, and, look at uh, where they are right now. Well, and he put Matt Campbell uh, in one of those cautionary tales by winning this past week. Right. So right. It's, uh, it's a, a crazy situation, um, but nonetheless with what we've got going on uh up there at camp randall stadium and what's going to be going on i he had a 19 million dollar buyout um i they negotiated it down to like 11 or 12 i believe right and i don't know all the nuances i mean just on the surface mike i i'd make him pay every every bit yeah i know i i don't know how that works either like do you have legal standing where you can say no 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 you're going to pay every penny of it or there's two different kinds of buyouts and this this applies to real life. Like I've had to sign um, non compete contracts in broadcasting, where if you quit or if you get fired, uh, you can't work for another station or another network for a period of six months, a year, two years. Anybody in broadcasting knows that world. Some of them, some coaching contracts are like that too. Some coaching contracts are. 
here's the buyout, but if you take another job, you don't get the buyout or you get the buyout minus what you're going to get paid at the new job. Some are just flat out, no matter what happens, you're getting this 15 million, even if you take another job where you're getting 3.5 million or 5 million. So it, not all buyouts are, are built the same. And, and I don't know how his is compared to, you know, another coach. Right. And I feel like he's a smart enough guy that he's not going to leave eight away. million on the table. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if there wasn't something, uh, there wasn't some catch somewhere in the fine print. That yeah. Because here's the other problem about a guy like Paul Christ. When, when you are like all Wisconsin, Wisconsin, all I Mr. Wisconsin, uh, that can work one of two ways. Right. The, 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 it works in your favor when you want to get the job and when you want to keep the job because it, the, the, the fan base gets gets the warm and fuzzies like he's one of us. He gets Wisconsin. The bad part is, is that when you're gone from that job, okay, now what? I'm Mr. Wisconsin guy. So do you want a Big 12 school? Do you want to hire Mr. Wisconsin guy? SEC school, do you want to hire Wisconsin? Like, I don't know what the mark. I, I just sat here for five minutes and raved about what a great job he did overall at Wisconsin. But by the same token, I can make the, the argument that I don't know what the market is for Paul Chris. I don't know if it's that good. He had two years or three years at Pitt before that. They were decent. They weren't great. You know, he was six and seven, seven and six and six and six at Pitt. Admittedly, a more difficult job. But uh, I don't know where, where I, my point is, like, I want to inquire about that extra eight million that you left on the table, because I don't know what the next move is for Paul Chris. Yeah. And, and being the right fit is is certainly uh, a huge, huge piece of the puzzle um, the, to to being a successful head college football coach. Although, as you said, this is the this is the barometer right now. There's no there's no one safe because if there wasn't uh, if, if Paul Christ wasn't the proper fit for Wisconsin, then I don't know what is former player quarterback. I mean, he he is Wisconsin and they're going to chop him off. And he won and, and he won. So like, when when Gus got whacked for having a, a, a very impressive resume for Auburn, uh, just ask Brian Harson. Uh, you know, just as some of his predecessors, people said, oh, it's Auburn. It's dysfunctional Auburn. It, things are just different over there. Well, this just happened at Wisconsin. <laughs> Has anybody ever had a, a negative thing to say about Wisconsin? Like, no, I mean, like, the, there's just nothing dysfunctional about Wisconsin. They don't have some rogue booster that owns a wood company that is, is overly meddlesome. This is Wisconsin. It's It's cheese and football and... It's a beautiful body of water right there near the camp. I've, one of my regrets is, Michael, I've never done a game at, at Camp Randall. I've never been to Madison. I, that, I'm going to check that off the bucket list. I don't, have, I don't care if I just sit in the upper deck with a brat in my face for three hours. Um, but, but Wisconsin's not it's supposed to be above all this. This is not that SEC drama, you know, where they're just they're so over the top over there. No, this is lovely beautiful wisconsin that is supposed to be immune to this and guess what they're not yeah they have been uh the the poster child for stability in a stable program mm -hmm. a better yeah. part of 30 years right now you, you know who hasn't though colorado yeah. uh colorado was once uh once proud um and uh they've obviously been on a very sharp decline we've already discussed the the coaching move uh, at a place like georgia tech who uh, I, I kind of growing up i've sort of lumped georgia tech and colorado in that in that same in that same mindset as like mm -hmm. once, once really good proud programs georgia tech's obviously had a, a lot more 
success than Colorado has over the last decade plus. Um, but Colorado, they've been trying to figure it out. They've also switched conferences and, and just trying to, to figure out what their identity is moving forward. They thought Carl Durrell, Carl Durrell might be, that's like trying to say Charles Schwartzel, the golfer, is Carl Durrell. If you don't, <laughs> don't really, really focus on it, it can, uh, can tie you up. Uh, Carl Durrell, though, uh, in his third season, eight and 15 overall, uh, he gets the axe, as I mentioned earlier, not a a hire that initially inspired a lot of confidence from the folks that that cover this sport. And um, and here we are, Mike, uh, not even halfway through the season. And the Carl Durrell experiment is over. Uh, help me out on this. I should know this. The co-champions. I, I know Georgia Tech was part of a co-championship and Colorado was part of a co-championship. That 1990. Was- 1990 was one of them. Was it the same year for both of them? Did they? Sh- I believe that that is correct. I confuse those sometimes. One of the many reasons why I loathe co-champions. Uh, and thankfully, we'll never have that again in college football. The, the point is they both shared a championship either in the same year, 1990, or right around it. Um, and It was 1990. Colorado and Georgia Tech. One half, one half. Wow. I mean, that just, that writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Georgia Tech was Georgia Tech was the coaches' champion. Colorado was the AP and football writers. Okay, champion. okay. And Ty so, Detmer won the Heisman. There you go. What's that now? And Ty Detmer won the Heisman. And Ty, De- yeah, Ty Detmer won the Heisman, which I thought it should have been the Rocket, uh, Rocky Ishmael. But anyway, um, the um, the interesting thing there, there's a lot to this. I'll just say this in in terms of Colorado because we talked a lot about Georgia Tech last week. I don't want to revisit that just yet. Um, one of the guys I do NFL games with on, uh, on radio, in fact, that we, we just had a chiefs game, uh, two weeks ago is Chad Brown. Chad Brown was part of those great Colorado teams. He was a teammate of Eric B And by the way, we went down on the field. We talked to Eric B because Chad, they're like, you know, they're chums. And we were just asking like any chance if, uh, Colorado, this thing does, doesn't seem to be working out real well with Carter. He's like, no chance. I'm not coaching college football. Uh, Eric doesn't want to deal with recruiting. Doesn't want to do so. Colorado fans, not happening. I don't care how much money you you throw there, not happening. Um, but but I was talking to Chad about this. I was like, what what the hell's happened? Because I've been there. It's beautiful. You 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 and our uh, weekly text chain with JC, you were asking if you've been to Boulder. Have you been to Boulder, Michael? Have I have uh, not for a game, but it was concert uh, Red Rocks. Yeah, it was uh, it was yeah, I did actually. Yeah, I saw the I figured that there yeah. with Old Crow Medicine Show. It was fantastic. There you go. Yeah. But stop by Boulder uh, just to see the campus and and see the football stadium. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's stunning. Stunning. The campus um, is beautiful. I, 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 I turned it into a vacation. So I did a game there and then I, I stayed extra time both there and in Denver where I've got a friend. Uh, it, there, there's so much to love about that place. Now, does a ton of talent come out of the state of Colorado? Of course not. But when you go back to the McCartney years, they were getting all these kids from California. Like there was a pipeline. And one of the things Chad told me is they have, they used to be able to get like four or five kids every uh, recruiting class or what have you that, they didn't meet a certain standard because a lot of people would be surprised to know this, and I'd be one of them. They have the same type of strict academics almost that, that Georgia Tech has. Georgia Tech is more specific on the math side because of engineering school. But Colorado, the, a, a lot of kids that are getting into other schools can't get into Colorado. 
Like they just kind of, they stick their head up and go, no, 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 no. We're not giving in. And so the, some of the kids that played on those glory year teams would not, would not be admitted anymore. Uh, that's, that's part of the problem. Like I'll start right there. Yeah. I'll start. If you're, if you're doing something to put yourself at a disadvantage and look, please don't come at me with, uh, well, Mike, this is shame on you for not emphasizing education. I'm not making a, a stance on that. Okay. I, I'm, I don't care what you do with your academics. Uh, yes. Is it, is it commendable to say, we're not going to give in and just let anybody with a pulse. I mean, we don't even like have these kids. You don't even have to get a test score anymore. We, we, I remember when we asked them to get a 700 and apparently that was too much. Now we, we just like, we're just like, yeah, yeah. Basically any, any school can pony up uh, and doctor a, a transcript and get a kid in and then they can go into school and learn nothing and go out and learn and, and have the same. I mean, it's, it's, everybody remembers Dexter Manley. Um, well, not everybody, but if you don't Google it, uh, and, and so there, <clears throat> my point is that I, I respect schools that hold on to that. There's nothing, I'm not going to criticize that. I'm just telling you the reality is in recruiting, which is more competitive than ever. If you're going to say that this kid's eligible for all your top competitors, but he can't come to your camp, he can't be admitted to your school because of your particular standard. That is a disadvantage, and that is a deterrent to some coaches that are going to otherwise take the job. I'm sure there's other things. I know, you know, there, there's been discussions about facilities and cash and everything, like uh, uh, cash in terms of, um, you know, what their budget is. I get that, but they paid Carl Durrell a lot of money, and they, they gave him a buyout for a lot of money, and that hire inspired not a soul. Like, to this day, no one knows what in the hell you were doing hiring Carl Durrell. Like that, that was, there was no market for Carl Durrell anywhere. And you decided, no, I think we're going to make a statement here and hire Carl Durrell. Well, you got what you, you got what you wanted, I guess you made a statement and now you're right back where you started. I, I don't know where Colorado turns, but just talking to, to Chad and uh, actually one other alum, that is definitely an issue moving forward with Colorado. Yeah. And it's something that, um, you know, wh- whether or not they want to try to to fix that, I don't know that you can, Mike. I mean, what do you do? How do you recruit around that? And and you've got other schools, though, that that have stringent academic standards and they still find ways to win. I think it comes down to the investment uh, that you want to make as a university in in your program and, and continuing to give the resources uh, to do that. I mean, look, uh, Duke has, has had some success. Northwestern has had some success. There are tons of private schools that have that have stringent academic standards that still don't fall on their face. Um, so for Georgia Tech, Colorado, there's a roadmap to do it. And you actually do have success. You have a national championship, whether you shared it or not, you've got it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to invest in it, it's there for you. And, and I think that that's something that these schools themselves have to look inwards and figure out if that's what they want to yeah. do. You're just, you're not getting Cordell Stewart's. You're not getting Michael Westbrook's. You're not getting Rashawn. You're not getting Chad Brown's Rashawn Salam. Uh, was it Dion figures was the stud defensive back. Like, they're just not getting that caliber of player. Uh, if I'm sure if we broke down NFL draft picks the last 10 years at a Boulder, it's not that great. So if you're going to win in spite of that, 
you need a creative coach that's going to be a, a whole, you know, like a Leipold, like what he's done with Kansas. That's never been Carl Durrell. So you got to make up your mind what you're going to be, and you have to make a hire that goes along with that. I saw this note from David Hale of ESPN. Wake Forest, Kansas, and Kansas State are combined 13-2 and two so far this season. The thing that they have in common, Mike, they're all successful head coaches from the F- FCS level. I saw that, too. If I saw it from another person. Um, in fact, I retweeted it, and I, I said you ought to add Brian Kelly to that list But be- because before he ever got the Cincinnati job, Brian Kelly was a lower-level success story. Just continued to pay his dues, pay his dues, pay his dues until he finally got to Notre Dame and now LSU. Yeah, I, I wonder if ADs start taking a look at that and the boosters that that heavily pressure them on who they should hire. Instead of just going for the name, how about going for the guy? We see this in basketball happen all the time, and it works all the time. Like, who the hell knew who Bruce Pearl was before Tennessee hired him? Well, he was a damn good coach at Division Three. A D3 school in Indiana, won a championship there, and then he went to UW-Milwaukee and took him to the Sweet 16. And that's the kind of path college basketball coaches take very often when they get their big break at a, at a Power 5 job and do well. We don't do, that. We don't do it that way in football. When a, when a program hires a D2 or FCS coach, you know, it's kind of like pinch your nose, like, oh, I thought we were better than that. We, we could, that's the best we could do. Well, the, the programs that have done that are actually doing quite well because there's something to be said about coaches that just know how to win. Yeah. They just have winning pedigree. They've been there. They've done that. They instill it into that locker room. They instill it into their players. Uh, it, they're not always just out scheming everybody. They just know how to coach, man. And I, I wonder if maybe we'll see more of that. Yeah, proper coaches, proper leaders. They know how to connect with their players and and go out and get the job done. Like, like you don't have to have five stars, and you, that, that's a whole other show. Five stars versus two stars, and, uh, and the guys that that can rise from two stars up to five stars with proper, uh, you know, advancement and proper coaching and things like that. I mean, look, you still need you still need five stars if you can get them. I mean, if you stack them year after year after year, it's it's eventually going. It's to, a good thing. You can't develop a four, seven thing. into a four, four kid. Like, no, no, you, you certainly can't. Some things you can't coach, but um, the, the one, uh, so that's one a and one B uh, of question one uh, of the hot handy five going through the, the coaching changes. Um, very likely uh, we may have another one uh, next week. Um, and, and this will lead us into, into question number two. Uh, for this, but Brian Harson, uh, Mike, have you Brian Harson at Auburn? Everyone expects to to be fired at, at any mm-hmm. point. Have you ever seen the movie Hot Tub Time Machine? <laughs> <laughs> I get I get asked this question. I All swear on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> Godfather, uh, Goodfellas, yeah, yep. Jaws, Citizen Kane, and Hot Tub Time Machine. Tub time. Really, we'll throw, they're... throw Paddington Two in there as well. Yeah, the yeah, Paddington. Uh, Double, you should do that one. Uh, you definitely. Should. I'm not and, even and, and can't buy me love. Yeah, um, can't buy me love. But but have you ever seen the movie? No, I I I, I, I might have seen five minutes of it. I know who's in it, but I never really saw it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh so, and that's fine. If you listening have not seen the movie, that's fine. You should watch it. It's just silly schlock fun. It's it's dumb, but this is where I'm going with it. In the movie, they get in the hot tub and they go back in time, right? They try and correct their wrongs and, and figure out that they could have gotten the girl back in the eighties. That's, that's the whole deal. A very well, for, difficult plot to execute, but they were. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it. it is. It is. But, but, uh, Crispin Glover, you know, McFly. Crispin Glover, wow. Crispin Glover is, is, is in the movie and, and in the, in the modern present time, they all know him as the, he's the one-armed like 
bellhop. He's the guy that they they know from the you know from the ski resort. They're like, oh yeah, I'm like wonder how it happened. Well, when they go back in time, they see him with two arms, right? And they're okay. and, and every time throughout the movie, intermittently, like every ten minutes, there's a moment where. It's like, oh, he's going to pick up a suitcase and a garbage truck's coming by. Oh, is this when it happens? Is this when he gets his arm ripped off? Oh, he gets his arm caught in the elevator and it's stuck and it's moving up. Is this when he loses his arm? And it never loses his arm, Mike. And I feel like the last few weeks, Missouri, that was going to be it. Blowing a 17-point lead to LSU. Was that going to be the arm in the elevator moment for Brian Harson? When is Brian Harson going to get fired? When's he going to, to lose his arm and is it being a 30 point underdog to Georgia in a uh, classic SEC robbery match maybe he's like the guy in uh, Holy Grail Monty Python you know it's he's, he's just a flesh wound like he's he's got a, he's got no arms and he's got yeah. <laughs> I'm okay you know he keeps losing limbs and arteries and everything else just a flesh wound just a flesh wound it's just a flesh wound um I look th- this I don't know when I don't know how um, I kind of know why the, uh, the hire itself, it, it just seemed like this was a bit of a reach. It just seemed like it was going to be really hard for this one to work out. And I, it's like so many other schools, uh, this was not their first choice, but Hey, look, you know, it, 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 Kelly wasn't LSU's first choice. We can go down the list. Like ADs rarely get their first choice. But then it was packaged as, well, look, uh, this guy's a winner and uh, he's an innovator and he's he's going to do things that Gus Malzahn with his kind of antiquated, uh, hard-to-watch offense whenever they're down by more than 10 points. This was different. And... If he and then it was well, look, he's doing the right thing. He hired Mike Bobo and Derek Mason, right? Two yeah. SEC coordinators. This can't go wrong because whatever he's lacking in SEC pedigree, he's made up for in Derek Mason uh, and Mike Bobo. And neither one of those guys lasted long. So, it to me the when doesn't even matter, Michael, because what what's the point? Like until you have your guy. And I have no idea who Auburn's guy is. I've heard somebody actually, I was on a radio show earlier this week and said, are you hearing Will Muschamp? I was like, what? <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah, it's all over the internet. Uh, I'm like, what site? Unlike uh, the onion? Yeah. There's, there's no way Will Muschamp gets a third crack. Michael Myers never dies in the Halloween movies, Mike, and neither do Will Muschamp. Neither does Will Muschamp. Look, I get, look, I could justify giving Will a second chance. There's other coaches that didn't work out their first job, you you get that second opportunity, and they shined, man. They learned. But but Will's not getting a third crack. There's there's no way. So I don't know. I have no idea. So to me, the answer to that question is part of the answer to your question on the illustrious Hot Haney Five. The when depends to me on what are they looking at? Who do they have? They don't want to fall into another situation where – they whack a guy, and then it's just like, okay, now what? Where, where, what are we doing? Where are we going? And it's just you don't want to be clunky on your next job search slash hire. So I think everybody believes the end is coming, and the 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 when and the how they do it, it's almost immaterial. I think if you're an Auburn fan, you're just sitting back and you're like, okay, well, what's the next chapter going to be? 
Yeah, it's uh, and it's fascinating, and we're just going to keep watching almost like a train wreck or Crispin Glover whenever he's going to lose his arm in Hot Tub Time Machine when they go back in time. That's uh, long that's kinda... wind up for that analogy, but uh, but you threw it over the plate. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it, I got it, and uh, it was it was so slow that uh, that that the that the batter was like, "What the hell was this?" It didn't even swing, and I got the strike. The the the, the, the batter was like, "Is he is he throwing it over the plate? What's he doing out there?" Uh, all of the listeners like the new guy's kind of weird. Um, he's 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 of all the uh, movie analogies, he's throwing hot tub time machine out there. Very nice. Very I'm just getting started, Mike. Just getting started, baby. All right. Um, um, or arcane references week by week. There we go. <laughs> uh, so with all of this in mind, uh, next question for you, Mike. Uh, cautionary tales. Uh, the, the guys that have gotten the big contracts uh, and, and have been uh, coerced uh, to come to, to these programs and then you know suddenly have a, a bit of success and, and get locked in. Um, Mel Tucker at, uh, at Michigan State, uh, he was one of the first, I think it might have been the second or third show I was doing uh, with you guys. Had a phenomenal year last year for Michigan State, kind of came out of nowhere, losing record to 11-2. and two. Um, Got a massive, massive contract, $95 million uh, for the 11-2 and two season. Not going so well uh, this year for the Spartans, and they get Ohio State this week and don't think it's going to get any better for them after this Saturday. Uh, but Jimbo Fisher, another one, uh, $86 million guaranteed. It, uh, the, the Aggies have essentially strapped themselves into a straitjacket so they can't do anything crazy. Even if they wanted to fire him, mm-hmm. they're not going to just drop $86 million guaranteed no matter how much money uh, is there in College Station and Bryan, Texas. Um, cautionary tale, though, Mike, uh, for for these two hires and, and these two teams right now. Um, personally, I, I eventually think Jimbo Fisher is going to do the right thing jury's still out on on mel tucker and exactly where things will go uh, for him and and his spartans tenure Uh, but your thoughts on these exorbitant guaranteed contracts coming out for these coaches given everything that we have just discussed here in the last 20-ish minutes all right i know sometimes you like shorter more concise answers sometimes less is more so i'm going to try to uh go along with that on this answer uh number one i would i would i would kind of uh not disagree necessarily but i don't know if i'd use the word you know phenomenal year last year at michigan state they 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 got blown out in their their biggest game of the year they they beat some okay teams in the big 10 michigan messed all over themselves in the fourth quarter and and gift wrapped that game for them that's the one that really that's when everybody became a mel tucker thing right basically their offense was hand the ball off to kenneth walker sure it was now with the seattle seahawks um this but year they go from a losing record to 11 wins i mean that just that does not happen very that's often that's true that's true i, I mean that's give credit where it's due like I, I there's no question he deserves credit the bigger question to your point is does he deserve uh 95 is it 95 million i think it's 95 right on the on the contract yeah. for tucker yeah. 95 million uh jimbo's 86 here's the difference between the two deals there's a market for jimbo fisher jimbo's a, a long time highly sought after offensive coordinator who won a national title at Florida state who was coveted by multiple sec schools. So you had to offer a ton of money. Like this, this wasn't just a and M going, we got a bunch of money and let's just throw it at Jimbo. Like you, if you were going to get him, you had to ante up. You didn't have to ante up to get, to keep Kenneth Walker around. I'm sorry, Kenneth Mel Tucker around. 
Uh, I don't know what Kenneth Walker's NIL deal was, but it wasn't that good. Uh, you, you, like there wasn't like a huge bidding war for Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker was a good story, had a good uh, breakout year last year in, in East Lansing. No question about it. But here's the other thing, and here's why I'm not critical of Michigan State. Uh, the fact of the matter is, you know how much, if I'm reading this correctly, if you're a Spartan fan, you can at me at Morgan on air and say, well, no, 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 you got the uh, percentage wrong. If I'm reading this correctly, Michael, they spent the athletic department. I mean, in terms of pure, like, okay, here's what we got from the big 10 network. Here's what we're going to throw out uh, to keep Mel Tucker around. Zero. That, no, correct. It, that, it came from alums. It came from alums. And this was going to be part of my under the radar, but I'll just throw it at you right now. Uh, one gift alone. They got by a Matt Ashibia, $32 million. They've got another sugar daddy. His name is Steve St. Andre. Now, these are both alums. I think Ashibia, I saw him in some movies. Yeah, exactly. He was throwing popcorn at you at a hot tub, hot tub, uh, hot tub time machine. Easy for me to say. Matt Ashibia, uh, Ashibia was a walk-on for the basketball team, part of the national championship team under Coach Izzo. You know, he bleeds green he's, he's spartan all the way same thing but both these guys made a ton of money in uh, i think one of them's a hedge fund guy or or, or uh a shibia i'm always curious like where, where do these people make all their money um he made plastics. what's that plastics plastics yeah yeah uh volume that's a, that's the answer he he made his oh uh shibia is the ceo he came up with wholesale mortgage so a lot of people are buying mortgages and he became a multi, 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 multi-millionaire. And uh, the other guy, Steve St. Andre, he's the CEO of Shift Digital. I don't know what the hell Shift Digital is, but I can tell you this. If you're the CEO of it, you're a multi, 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 multi-millionaire. So these people, uh, they basically funded the Mel Tucker deal. This is not like the guy that's, uh, I give $150 a year to the Spartan club and I don't, no, no, no. These are the whales uh, to, to quote, uh, to quote uh, Floyd Gondoli and Booger Knights. These are the real people. These are the people moving the world. These are the stars. Uh, I, I just wanted to get one Floyd Gondoli Boogie Knights in there. Um, that's what these two guys are. And, and in case you're wondering, I've heard this said, if these people ran a business, you think they go out of business, but that rich people don't operate by the same rules that you and I do, or the small business owner does. There's F you money. And then there's F you money. So like if, if I'm the CEO of Chili's, I got a lot of money. These guys have a lot more. They have a lot, lot more. And they, they are very passionate about few things in life. Right. Uh, and one of them happens to be their alma mater. And so they just said, give them the money. I don't care what it is. Uh, we got it. We got it covered. And so that's what they did. So, look, I, I'm if I'm a Michigan State fan, I don't care. It's not my money. You know, if if Mel Tucker's the answer, which remains to be seen, if he's the answer, go ahead. Give him one hundred fifty. I don't care. It's it's shift digital money. Right. It, it's it's a uh, loan wholesale mortgage money. 
not not my money. Go ahead, pay him whatever you want to pay him. And that's what they did. Uh, the Jimbo Fisher situation, I don't know where exactly that, but they probably got more sugar daddies than any, <laughs> any other program not named Texas. I don't know where it came from, but I don't think they're sweating it. However, this is where it gets sticky. Then when the time comes where you want to fire somebody, that's where even if you've got a few money, you don't necessarily want to spend that money because this is not a $15 million buyout or a $20 million buyout. This is a 100% what's left on my deal buyout. Mm-hmm. And that is, I'm not saying Jimbo should even be on the hot seat. I don't think, I don't believe that. I, I think you got to give him time. I'm not convinced that he's a great offensive mind. I'm not convinced he's a terrible coach. I'm somewhere in the middle, quite honestly. I can't fathom why they are so bad on offense right now. That to me is, I, I just, I understand why they lost. You lost a lot on defense. You're not a very good defensive team. You're extremely young. I got it. Okay. You're Jimbo Fish. You got Anaya Smith. You got A Chain. These are NFL type talents. You've got one of the top quarterbacks out of the portal, and you got the guy. Uh, that you were convinced was the next great thing in Haynes King, who was a, a big time recruit, and none of it has worked. None of it. That's on the head coach. No, absolutely, absolutely. This was supposed to be a short answer, by the way. I'm sorry. I, yeah, you're right. I'm kidding, I broke I'm kidding. my own rule. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm nope, kidding. I, I had to get the Floyd Gondoli in there, and that that you ruined did. everything. You did. I, I do want to stick with this, uh, at least from the Michigan State perspective. I, I mean, that's that's fine that it comes from from boosters, it comes from alums, and you want to have that. I think there's a lot of programs that would crave having someone like that that could come in, as mm-hmm. you said. Uh, there towards the end about the the Spartans deal is it, you really want to tie yourself into a situation like that with someone where you're sort of held hostage by the guys that have a ton of money that you're suddenly you know being uh, being puppeted around. Um, that's where as an AD you've got to start making some hard calls. Uh, and and what is the money actually meant? Am I going to get any of this money if I don't keep this guy around? I got to start making some decisions that are for the betterment of the program. Um, that's a that's a fine line to walk that again college programs especially at the highest level have been trying to tightrope walk for years and years and years i, I do want to throw this note uh in there in, in terms of this just because i'm fascinated with the number and i, and I think it, it's it's worth mentioning within this discussion uh scott woodward uh the former uh, ad at texas a&m who hired jimbo fisher uh then came to lsu and, and got rid of ed orgeron um for reasons uh you know valid reasons that he eventually had but a guy that nonetheless was again a guy that fit if anybody was lsu it was ed orgeron and -hmm. they won a national championship but they got rid of him um but i want to bring these numbers around to you between the original uh jimbo deal 75 million dollars brian kelly uh with lsu 95 million uh, plus the buyouts to fire kevin sumlin 10.4 million and ed orgeron 17 million scott woodward himself has spent nearly 200 million dollars to hire two football coaches mm-hmm. it's it's just it's sick money it's dead money and and it's it's hard for a lot of people to digest especially at a time now when the economy is in the crapper and we're we're, we're in basically stagflation and, and people are struggling to pay bills and you hear these stories wait a minute he did a bad job he got fired and he's walking away with how many million? Like I get it, but they're they're they don't look at it that way. They look at it as either one of two ways. And you could you could track the uh, the buyout money, the dead money, to either these sugar daddies, 
who have more money than they're ever going to spend. You know, they're not Elon Musk, but they've got enough money where they can't spend it. Their offspring can't spend it and, they, and their offspring can't spend it. So why don't I put it into something uh, that I'm passionate about? And I, I feel a case of the warm and fuzzies because I am giving it to somebody. I mean, they almost feel like, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm making this guy's life much better. That's got to give you a, a, it's a, a nice feeling at some point. The other way you could look at it is the schools aren't paying this. The TV networks are paying this. ESPN and Fox are paying these buyouts and a lot. If you want to like just cut out the middleman, where do you think all this money is coming from? Yes, some of it comes from ticket sales and boosters and whatnot, but so much of it now, even if you see an empty stadium on a Saturday when you're watching a football game on TV, that TV money is guaranteed. We're topping what, 35, 40 to 45 million per school in, say, the Big Ten and SEC just with their television networks? Oh, it's more than that, Michael. Um, the Big Ten and the SEC are already over 50. I think they're in the neighborhood of uh, 60 to 70. When these deals are done, okay, when, when dust settles and, and, and all the contracts are cleared and, and the schools that are supposed to be in those leagues finally get to those leagues, I think the, the, the number that's going to be applicable and the number to remember is $100 million per school, per, per team, $100 million solely on television revenue, annually, tax-free. Think about that. So like, I go to these facilities every week, and I'm just amazed. At, I mean, they are cathedrals and all the bells and whistles and everything. But at some point, you even run out of things to buy. So where is all the money going? It's going into coaching. It's going into coaching. And uh, agents were very smart 20 years ago when they came up with things like buyouts. That was an agent move. Uh, nobody knew what the hell a buyout was. You fired a coach, and the coach wasn't making any money on the way out the door. But, but agents got shrewd, and they came up with buyouts, and they're just a part of the deal now. If, you, if you're a fan of a particular school and you're mad that, that your AD gave that coach or a lofty buyout, ask yourself, would you have gotten that coach or any coach worth a damn without a buyout? Because every major program has to play along those rules. And if you don't, then coach, premier coaches are going to stay away from your particular program. Very true. Very true. Uh, moving into the next question, though, as we mentioned earlier. What number are we on, Michael? I feel like uh, this is number four. We're going okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give a rapid within 60 seconds. I'm going to answer number four. Okay. And, and I think it's a pretty straight, the, these next two questions are, are less open-ended, I think. Okay. Um, and, and pretty straightforward. You're so, coming up with such great questions that I feel like I, I have to give an yeah. in-depth answer on each one. Gotta, I don't you know, want to sell them short. Got to clean the shovel off and dig a little deeper for each one. I get it. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Uh, but what we mentioned a guy earlier, Lance Leipold, um, and what he's doing at, at Kansas uh, for the for the next question here. Um, it's uh, it's just fascinating to see what's going on. I was all worried a few weeks ago when uh, when Kansas was hosting Duke. And I'm like, we're never going to see two undefeated teams in Lawrence, Kansas. Game day should have gone to Lawrence yep, 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 yep. instead of Knoxville and and in the in Tennessee and Florida, like that old tired trope. Everybody knows Tennessee and Florida are good blue blood. Right, 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 right. Go to go to Kansas and Duke. God, let's have some fun. Well, well, you know, 
That's why ESPN and the guys that make those decisions are, are doing what they do. Mm-hmm. They hedge their bets, and uh, lo and behold, Kansas hosts TCU, two undefeated top 20 teams in the Big 12 there. Uh, but, Mike, they, they didn't get there. Uh, by accident, TCU blew the doors off of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Kansas uh, found a way to win uh, in, in another uh, another way in a low-scoring defensive affair over Iowa State. Um, the league is wide open, and I think most people following this sort of felt that way going into it. But through this level of, of data that we have to this point, almost halfway through the season here, simple question, who's going to win the Big 12? First off, congratulations to Lawrence, Kansas. I think there's only like now maybe 15, 15, no, no, no. I'm thinking uh, at Power 5, there's only like maybe 12 to 15 schools that have never hosted. I, I believe that's right. I could be screwing that up. But anyway, congratulations to Lawrence. I've only been there once to call a basketball game. Pretty cool stuff. I don't know what the football stadium is like, but it doesn't get much better than Fog Allen. Uh, the big 12, it, I'll, I'll keep it short. If you were to put a gun to my head, I think it, TCU is a terrific story to rip speaking about a, a, a good coaching hire and we could do a deep dive on uh, old Sonny Dykes, but I, I will go with Oklahoma state to me. Oklahoma state is the safest pick. A lot of people thought when they lost Jim Knowles, their defensive coordinator to Ohio state. Well, now what? Well, they've still been pretty good on defense. They've got a veteran quarterback and, and old, uh, mullet man, although I guess the mullet's kind of gone for Mike Gundy. A little too clean cut for my taste. Come on, Mike, bring it back. Um, I, I'll go with, I'm a man, I'm 50-something Mike Gundy to bring home the Big 12 title. They were so close last year, and the game against Baylor really came down to inches. I'll take Oklahoma State. All right, and uh, they would be a team that eventually, just because of years past and, uh, and and some perceived injustices or just outright injustices with the BCS system, I'd love to see Oklahoma State get a crack. Be a great story. Top uh, four. And if you've been to Stillwater, great fan base. Uh, that's another one. You were talking about sh- uh, Sugar Daddies. Oklahoma State is the only game I've ever done where when I went to go on, on a home game, we, we go interview the coaches that day, usually at the stadium on Friday. As I was leaving, the pre- the press is there to do their weekly interview with you know the head coach, maybe a couple players. That group, that that coggle of uh, of microphones went from Mike Gundy or whatever player and this and that, and they go right to T Boone. T Boone had his own separate separate press conference before the game. Yeah. That's when you know you got a you got a big daddy right there. The, the Jerry Jones of college football. Yes, yeah, it was, it was it was just like Jerry Jones with the Cowboys. Like I gotta I gotta have my own presser here. Wow. All right. Well, well hopefully, um, for all the Cowboy fans out there, both um the Dallas variety and maybe Oklahoma State. Now, well, here's the thing. Uh, uh, one last thing on this. The the uh, I know we have some Big Twelve listeners. Um, here's the beauty about the Big Twelve. It is right now, the Power Five, the most competitive and unpredictable league. And and it's only going to get more so when Oklahoma and Texas bolt to the SEC. Like year in and year out, uh, we're going to be talking about, was it Baylor's year? Is it TCU's year? Is it Oklahoma State's year? What about BYU? Maybe UCF uh, has another breakout season. Cincinnati. Like I I think the Big 12 is going to be one of the most difficult – conferences to forecast and there's a lot of value in that because 
a lot of people complain about the predictability of the sport. I think the Big 12 will be the most unpredictable again when the dust settles. And moving on to uh, the next question and going into the SEC, uh, just like Texas and Oklahoma will be uh, coming up here soon. Um, a rather pedestrian affair and uh, and quite the scare for the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend, Mike. I know we've got the SEC spotlight coming up, but to end the hot Haney five and I think to lead into the SEC spotlight, uh, again, just a straightforward question to you after what you've seen the last couple of weeks uh, from from the Bulldogs after they, they thumped South Carolina, uh, haven't really shown quite the same bite uh, that, that we expect but college football is also they shove that whole week to week and everything can change in a week in our faces in spite of our discussions all, all the time but in your uh, opinion do we actually see the georgia bulldogs lose a game this season i think they could uh but i still think they're in atlanta uh they play tennessee at home i believe that's november the first and then they do still have kentucky that's the only two that i think pose a threat it ain't Auburn. Um, so Again, even if they lose point favorites, 30, 30 yeah. are Georgia over Auburn. I, no, just... I mean, yeah, that's not a game. That's, that's not a game. I, but, but look, we knew Georgia wasn't as good as they were a year ago. That doesn't mean they're still not one of the top three teams in 2022. So am I, was I surprised at that score? Absolutely. I rem- I had no intention of watching that game. And then I saw the score down 10 second half. Like I got to give this a shot. And I watched some of it. And I think we all just kind of felt it was a matter of time before they imposed their will on Mizzou. And that's what they did. So um, kudos to Mizzou for making it a game, but no, Georgia is still the beast in the East. Uh, The one threat is Tennessee, but I just don't know if Tennessee has a defense. I'm still, I'm still not there. All right. Fair enough. You, you heard it here first. Georgia's going to go undefeated. No, I didn't say undefeated. Oh, no, I know. I know. I know. I said, I think you they're going to be, said, you said they could, they could they, lose a game and still be in Atlanta. They could lose a game. And I think still be in Atlanta. All right. Well, that wraps it up for the hot Haney five for uh, this edition of the JC and Morgan podcast. This was the hot Haney five presented by blue Delta jeans. Rack that. Rack it. I didn't mean literally stopped. Like you can continue now. Well, you got the SEC spotlight. <laughs> okay. Oh, you you want me to do another one? I've only got so many of these in me. Yeah, the SEC spotlight, baby. Let's go. Let's SEC go. spotlight. Spotlight on the SEC. Presented by Blue Delta Jeans. Okay. Perfect. See? All right. Are you going to... Do you want me to take this? I was under the impression that that is uh, is where we were headed, but I can't. Oh, go okay. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I thought live uh, live recorded podcast. I well, I thought I thought maybe you were going to throw a few uh, games my way, uh, but, but I can't do that, Mike. I mean, that's um, that is more than fair, and I will uh, I'll throw a couple um, throw a couple your way here. I mean, uh, I, I've got we'll get a little bit more in the deeper dive um, in the pick five. I'll just go ahead and tell you, Tennessee and LSU are going to be part of that. That's uh, the, I, let, okay. Let, let, you want me to take this? I'll, I'll uh, again, we were without JC today. So typically that would have been a setup for JC and I, I'll just, I'll just tell you the best game on the board is the game. that's maybe not being talked about as much. And a, yes, it is a 12 noon start. Not all the great games start in prime time. The, the, the idea for television networks again, behind the curtain you want to dominate the 12 o'clock window, the 3.30 window, and the 7.30 window. 
you don't want to just stack all your great games on at the same time because people can only watch one game particularly, you know, essentially at a time without channel surfing. So I'm, I'm glad Tennessee LSU is at noon. And uh, to me, that's the best game on the board. I think that's uh, intriguing. If I'm not mistaken, Michael, I think that's only like a two and a half point spread. Um, uh, yeah, three. Three point spread. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the best game. Arkansas at Mississippi State. I, I let it be known what I feel about Mississippi State, what I felt since the beginning, that they're they're the best team not named Alabama on the West. Uh, I think they win that game. Florida, Missouri, Florida should win that game. And, and maybe this will be another building block for Anthony Richardson and for Florida to kind of show like, yep, we're, we're, we got our we got our skis uh, beneath us now under Billy Napier and we're ready to make a run. We, we already talked about Auburn, Georgia, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt. I don't think I need to say a whole lot there. Uh, Texas A&M, Alabama, that's going to have all the hype, and that's a CBS primetime game. That that game wasn't supposed to be close even before we knew Texas A&M was going to be awful on offense. So this was a double-digit game in Vegas like back in July. I, I get it. Like You're going you're gonna, to uh, hype up all the comments of this and that, but at the end of the day, Alabama is just much better. So that, that to me is not even one of the top three games. I would yeah. put Kentucky, South Carolina. Like Kentucky, South Carolina is going to be a, a more competitive game and and an intriguing game to me. So I think overall, it's a pretty good slate. I think we've got, you know, about three games that I'm very curious about how each team is going to look and what the outcome is going to be. Well, and you get an Arkansas team, <clears throat> excuse me, that's that's hurting uh, after a, a couple of tough losses, and and you get a Mississippi State team that's, you know, coming off of a a very very nice win over Texas A and M. Uh, they they did the job that Arkansas thought that they were going to be able to do. Um, that I'm fascinated by that game, even though it's it's in Starkville, and that's another one of those early kicks uh, of what's going to happen there. And and is Mississippi State turning you know that corner? I know they're a team that you had. Uh, you know, some some high hopes for at least mm-hmm. in some of our picks earlier. Very good team with with Will Rogers at quarterback, uh, but I'm, I'm fascinated with that one because Arkansas is they're clearly better than three and two and, and one and two in the SEC. To me, I, I don't think they were going to beat Alabama, uh, but they were they're a team that's that's built enough, and I've watched enough of them so far this season. They're they're just they're a better team than three and two. It was always going to be get through that. Yeah, here's the problem with that game, Michael. Just one tidbit. Arkansas has one of the worst secondaries in the country. Right. That is not what you want taking on Will Rogers and a Mike Leach offense with athletic receivers all over the place. That that's a bad formula. Yeah. Well, it's here's the thing. Um, Mississippi State, what do you think of these early kickoffs and in, in, in these environments? Uh, I think it's definitely going to hurt LSU. Uh, obviously, Tiger mm-hmm. fans are, are just, they're wishing they could have gotten the night game because yeah. we all know what Death Valley is. All right. Can't Mississippi, have a night game every week. That's that's uh, not the way the game's played. No, you can't. But, uh, you know, early kick in Starkville. I don't know. I, I'm I think that that might actually help Arkansas just a little bit. It could. It could. I mean, the old adage is home teams are never quite as good at noon as they are at night. But if you're a really good team, it shouldn't make a difference. I, I mean, what's Georgia's excuse for that Missouri game? That was at night. Was it the intimidating Mizzou crowd? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that um, I, I, I guess the logic's kind of backwards on that because Georgia was the road team. But well, yeah, I, I just I don't necessarily buy into that. I think really good teams you you show up whether it's 12 or whether it's eight o'clock it's just, it just changes your calendar a little bit it's not like it's a like a complete shock to the system to play at noon here's where i will contradict myself a little bit uh in in the years covering 
you know, and I don't have the actual, you know, I, I can't quantify this. I've just witnessed this, but I, I it's something that I, <clears throat> I dub sort of the, the rule of three. And when you have three consecutive, uh, just brutal physical games, by the time you get to that third game, it's, it's hard to get up again and, and push through. And that's where I'll say Mississippi State has an opportunity now feeling good, beating A&M the way that they did. Arkansas, just again, heartbreaking loss to A&M, uh, you know, just getting blown out by Alabama in the second half, even with their backups. You know, they're still a very good team, but that's where it can be hard to get up. And I'll say the same for Missouri. Missouri, my God, you, you fumble in the end zone against Auburn. You blow the lead against Georgia at home. You have to go on the road to the swamp early mm. kick yourself that's where i think florida also might look a lot better than than they may be because i'm not sure that missouri right now we'll see what Drinkwater is able to do to get his guys fired up and, and ready to go for that but that's one of those games where I, i'm not sure that the that those tigers get up and and have a very Did good you game say drink water Drinkwitz. Yeah, sorry. Dan. Okay. <laughs> is, is there a new nickname I'm, I'm familiar with? There's a um there's a uh, a soccer player named Danny Drinkwater and I think I just kind of rolled those names together. That's where that came from. And it's I also all... have, I also have a bottle of water yes. that I have been sipping on, Mike, so there's It's, it's all Dirk Diggler to me. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I I like the theory. I like the I, I and again, that's the difference between the uh, I'm proud to say we have listeners of this podcast um, of all leagues. And, and by now, you know, as I always say, and it's the truth, we pick up listeners every week. We're well into the thousands and, uh, apparently people like what we're doing here. This is not a Homer league. We make no secret about the fact that we all have, uh, pretty strong ties to the sec, but I've been a college football fanatic nationally my whole life. And, and I want to see other leagues do well. I want to see other programs do well, whether it's, uh, Justin, our core, our, huge Michigan fan uh, you know we've got fans in Texas we've got some fans on the left coast we've got ACC fans we've got UCF John giving us our uh, the weekly report on the AAC um, all due respect to every other league your theory go applies the most in this league because there's just not as much let up it's just a deeper league that's I, I don't think anybody I mean other than Joel Klatt I don't know I don't know anybody who denies that uh, and doesn't understand that there is a difference there and it's only going to get deeper. And I believe 2024 uh, when Oklahoma and Texas come. So uh, there's, there's a little more f uh, fiber in your three theory diet. All right. Well, I, I do appreciate that. You, you mentioned, uh, and well, let's, let's make this one a, a, a quick, a quick, quick one. one, quick one. Here we go. We got, we got to go through, we talked about this before we even started recording, but I do want to to get this question in because it is one of those that's not going to get the attention of LSU and uh, in Tennessee and, and Texas A&M and Alabama. Um, South Carolina's 0-2 in the SEC, uh, tough road loss to, to Arkansas, blown out at home by Georgia. They go on the road to Kentucky, uh, a team that, you know, they have been better than uh, for the majority of their time in the SEC. But right now, Mark Stoops obviously has some great things going up in Lexington and they've beaten the Gamecocks. And I think it's the seven straight years, eight straight years. Uh, that, that they have actually knocked the Gamecocks off. And, and so for a team that was always kind of battling into that at least number two to number three slot in the SEC East, the Gamecocks have found themselves on the other end uh, and, and towards the bottom end for the last few years. Um, and Kentucky's been a huge part of that. But your thoughts on, on Shane Beamer, year two, overachieved last year, 
um, expectations higher coming in with Spencer Rattler at quarterback and some of the pieces that they were able to fill in the transfer portal. Uh, but right now, an opportunity uh, for them, at least, uh, to go on the road to Lexington and, and see if they've actually got some chops and, and maybe reverse that trend against the Wildcats. There's nothing more boring from an answer standpoint to a question like that, and this could apply to, to A&M in some respects, than, well, when you got a bad offensive line that's not doing anything right, things are, are going to struggle. Um, and I'm afraid that that's the biggest issue with Carolina offensively right now is the O-line. Um, Kentucky. Kentucky. Kentucky's only lost one game, and they gift-wrapped that game to Ole Miss. If you watch that game, if Kentucky had last year's offensive line, I'm not sure if that game's even close. In fact, I think I, I, I came away thinking Kentucky's a better team. The record won't say that, but they did about five things in the final five minutes to lose that game that they shouldn't have lost. So you should be playing, if you're Carolina, an undefeated Kentucky team. So Kentucky's going to be full of piss and vinegar after what happened. Carolina is, is trying to figure out where they are. Uh, like I, I look at the Gamecocks and I see a bit of an identity crisis. Like I'm trying to think, what are you, what are you building your team on? It's not a great defense. It's not a very good offensive line. As I just talked about a lot of people were high in the wide receiving core. It hasn't been a banner year at, on a whole juice has played. Well, Josh van, uh, has he gotten any better? I haven't seen it. Um, like the running backs. And then there's Spencer Rattler which is the ultimate X factor, which was one of the most exciting off season acquisitions for anybody in college football last year. Some of it, again, has not been on him. Some of it has. And this is the kind of game that I want to see progress. I want to see progress out of him. I want to see progress out of that offense, out of that offensive line, out of van, out of the receiving court. Like I want to see the offense be better. Kentucky might be down two starting linebackers, which is easily the strength of that defense. Like you got to be able to put points on the board. You're not going to shut down Kentucky's offense. Rodriguez is back. Levis, I know people now are getting going to get, getting sour on Levis. Levis is still pretty damn good, and they got two freshman stud receivers that are have a chance to be really good. Remember the name Dane Key. Um, I think it's an intriguing game. I know the point spread doesn't say so, but I, I think it's an intriguing game. And I think for Shane Beamer specifically, what's important is not just win or loss, but you you need to have a good showing. You, you want this team to. This team eked out some wins last year that really it was a Houdini act just to get the seven wins this year. You might not have the same magic, so you need to just play better. And I, I want to see a better performance by this Gamecock team win or lose in Lexington. All right. Well, I guess that will wrap it up for the SEC spotlight. Mike, are you, uh, are you ready to roll to under the radar? I am ready to roll to uh, chapter three, as it were, under the radar. And I'll go quick. Max Dugan of TCU. Uh, who, who the hell is that? He's the quarterback for the undefeated Horn Frogs. And he is playing some really, really good football. Speaking of TCU, who's their coach? Sonny Dykes. I had to do a deep dive to learn this, Michael. Sonny Dykes, we all know he's the son of Spike Dykes, who's the former coach of Texas Tech. But Sonny Dykes was not a college football player. Sonny Dykes was a standout first baseman at Texas Tech. So while his dad was coaching, he was on the baseball team from 1989 to 1993. Then he transitions to football coaching like his old man. Starts off in high school, then goes Navarro J.C., 
Kentucky, Northeast Louisiana, Texas Tech, Texas Tech, uh, again, Arizona, Louisiana Tech, California. Uh, California and Louisiana Tech, of course, he's the head coach. Did not end well at Cal, but what, what has ended well? Cal hasn't had anything good to cheer about since Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I don't know if we, if we can hold that against him. Then is the offensive analyst for TCU in 2017. So we already got a taste of Fort Worth. Then he coaches SMU immediately does a bang up job there. And that gets him the job at TCU. He is doing remarkable things at TCU. And I, I talked about earlier that the, the big 12 landscape is going to be, I think year in and year out, one of the most intriguing in college football Look for Sonny Dykes to be a part of that. Uh, Adrian Methuselah Martinez. Again, you know, he just continues to do great things. Now, I know he's old. And by the way, last week I said I I thought he might have uh, invented the steam engine. That's not him. That's Thomas Newcomen. That was in 1712. But Martinez, I'm told, invented the bar cart, which came along two years later. So he's been around a while. Uh, he played at Nebraska for three centuries before settling with with Kansas State at the ripe age of 322. Uh, but he is he is he's reminding people why Nebraska stood with him, even though he would continually have soul crushing mistakes in fourth quarters under Scott Frost. All of a sudden, he's not doing that anymore. He's playing very well. Congratulations to him and Thomas Newcomb on the actual invention uh, inventor of the steam engine in 1712. Uh, I talked about the sugar daddies at Michigan State. And uh, that was really my last one on under the radar. Don't. Yep. Go ahead. Well, I I just real quick. One more under the radar. Since you mentioned uh, him with with Max Dugan, I want to throw some things at you for TCU. Their offense is averaging nine yards per play on first down. That's best. Wow. Yes. To break it down, uh, it's just over eight yards per rush, uh, 13 yards per completion. And Max Dugan, an 85 percent passer on first down. That was okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's to, to, to really dig a little deeper on that under the radar with TCU and their offense and, and what's going on with them right now. They are uh, they are very quietly, very, very, very good and very efficient on first down. And anybody that loves the game of football will tell you, you got to win first down, Mike. And if you win first down more often than not, you're going to win a lot of games. You got it. No, no doubt about it. Dykes himself is a pretty good offensive mind. A couple of don't sleep ons. I, I know it's uh, the primetime game for Fox, but, you know, again, Pac-12 slash Pac-10 slash whatever it's going to be in a few months, the, the Pac doesn't get a ton of, of uh, national spotlight. Utah at UCLA, it's a good game. UCLA is 5-0, and and another don't sleep on, DTR. DTR, the starting quarterback of the Bruins, and, and along with Chip Kelly, uh, they, they've got something going right now. They really do. Uh, that That is a great story. A lot of people wanted Chip Kelly fired a year ago, two years ago. He's a bum. He's an idiot. You know, you know what he's doing? And, uh, he's doing something right over at UCLA, so don't sleep on them in a possible 6-0 start. Uh, real quickly, the uh, from our, our main man over there in UCF land, the AAC report as compiled – by the uh, the one and only UCF night 94. They're playing tonight. What a Wednesday night action. I think I'm calling a Wednesday night game on ESPN next week. I'll find that out. Uh, I, I love Wednesday night football. I Again, I love football every night of the week. Like There's something just, my wife the other night said, 
Like, is there not a game on? Like, no, honey, it's it's Wednesday. But now you can say, yes, yes, honey, there is a game because people want college football on every night. The UCF's taking on SMU. Uh, that is actually a, a, a game that was made up due to Hurricane Ian. So UCF, 3-1, and one, SMU, 2-2. Two and two. You got Houston at Memphis. What the hell is going on with Houston? Uh, oh, one other thing on SMU that's noteworthy, they got a bunch of players now that are already quitting on the season because once you play more than four games, you lose a year of eligibility. They're flat out quitting. Bad look. Bad look for the sport. Bad look, in my opinion, for those young men. Um, I, I just... That one doesn't sit with all the things changing in college. Well, I'm not resistant to change, but that I am a little resistant toward uh, UCF Cincinnati that USF Cincinnati. That'll be a blowout. Tulsa Navy ECU against Tulane, the, the green wave four and one baby coming off an overtime win at Houston. Don't uh, there's another coach that had again, success at a lower level of football. And they are Kansas state's um, only loss this year. So that's right. That's, that's right. That's some yep. good things going on for that. All right, Michael, are you uh you ready? You ready for pick five? Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. How did I do last week? I felt better. Uh, better. You know what? Uh, and you should. You went four and one. Thank you. Your Thank first, you very much. Uh, it wasn't your effect. first winning week, but uh, it was the first one that got you on the right side. So now it's it's practically a clean slate from you, Mike. You're ten and ten against the spread on. You know what? I'll take that because ten and ten, where I don't get to pick any of the games, and I don't know what's coming when you pick them. That's not bad. I'll take the. What was my one loss? Uh, it was Oklahoma. Leave it to me to focus on the negative. Oh, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, that was a bad one. That, that didn't work out so well. Yeah. JC, uh, the other side, he went one and four. Oh, no. He is now five and 15. Oh, my goodness, JC. Oh, we, we're going to get JC when you come back. We love you, man. We're going to give you holy hell over that. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the two games you guys differed on Kentucky and Ole Miss and Georgia Tech and Pitt. I thought I was throwing you nice, a, a really nice soft 12 foot arcing softball to smash out you did uh jc with georgia tech with a massive upset by the way i can't believe we haven't mentioned that one yet wow yeah Where yeah did that come from um <laughs> for georgia tech you just you never know what the bump is going to be when when you fire a coach and and you get uh you, you rally the troops how things yeah are and that, that was part of my under the radar that i forgot the two interim coach nebraska's interim one and coach guy at uh, georgia yeah. tech one all right, so uh, yeah, you are now ten and ten on the year, Mike, and Lock on. we will go into the picks. Bring it right now, um, just because you just mentioned them, I was going to throw it <clears> that <throat> on there um, lighter, and and because you know, I know we've got a UCF fan out there. The 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 game, the Wednesday night game, um, UCF two and a half point favorite SMU. You mentioned the troubles that they have going on with their program and some players wanting to sit out now, but uh, two and a half point favorite UCF tonight at home. Go Knights. In the bounce house, nobody goes into the bounce house on hump day and comes away with a win. Taking right. the nights. All right, got you on that one. Um, a game that we talked about a little bit earlier, Arkansas-Mississippi State, early kick, nine and a half points for the Bulldogs at home. Oh, man, it, it pains me to do this because I'm such a Sam Pittman fan. But I, I just that that secondary, I think, is going to be sliced and diced. I'm I'm going to have to take Mississippi State, even though that's a high number. I'm going with Will Rogers and the Bulldogs. All right. Staying in the SEC with another early kick, the game of the week, Tennessee, LSU on the road in the Bayou, the Volunteers, three point road favorites. 
over Brian Kelly's charges. Yeah, I think this is going to be the best game on the board in the SEC. And I'm struggling with this one. I really am. Um, Did I mention I'm struggling with this one? Yeah, well, LSU has had to come back twice now from double digits this year, and they nearly did it against Florida State. Yeah, Uh, I mean, if if I'm the little devil or angel on your shoulder right now, Mm -hmm. I would say there's a there's a volunteer offense that they're probably not going to allow you to come back if they get up big. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm going to go with. It's just that defense, but I don't know if LSU is explosive enough offensively to truly take advantage. I'm going to take Tennessee in a close game and cover. All right, let's uh, go to that game day game and TCU and Kansas. The Horned Frogs, seven-point road favorites against the Jayhawks. Just giving all kinds of love to Sonny Dykes and Mac Duke, Max Dugan. We just talked about their yeah. offense, what they're able to do on first down, and seven points on the road. Uh, two weeks ago, I was throwing bouquets to, to Lance Leipold, did a deep dive on him. I, I'm going TCU, though. I think the magic is finally going to sputter a little bit here. I think TCU's legit. I really do. And it's not like Gary Patterson left that program in shambles. Um, TCU's been... They've been a good program for a while. For at one point, they were really good under Gary, but uh, I'll take TCU. Sorry, Kansas. I, I think they might spoil the party a little bit. All right, we got all of these uh, early games going on. Let's uh, let's throw one. Is that four or five? Uh, we're going. We're going to number five right okay. now. Okay. All right. What was I last week again? I didn't hear you the first time. Uh, you were four and one. Mike. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, you, yeah, all right. Yeah, I see. See what you gotcha. do. I see what you do. Am I hearing? It's it's you know. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, this won't be Pac-12 after dark, uh, so it'll it'll um, overlap a little bit with some of these afternoon games. But the aforementioned Chip Kelly and kind of what they're quietly doing uh, over there in the Pac-12, five and zero, knocking off Washington last week. They get Utah, the Utes at home. Their only loss on the road to the Florida Gators, but number 11 versus number 18, the Utes on the road, three and a half point favorites against Chip Kelly's Bruins. Like I said, I, this game deserves uh, some hype and some pub. I'm glad uh, it will be in prime time. It'll, it'll get some certainly. What is the number again? Three and a half, the Utes on the road. What's a Ute? Um, Are you mocking me? The Buick Skylark. I'm going to go. We know it's not going to be an intimidating crowd because it <laughs> never is at UCLA. I, I, I'm I'm going to take Utah. I think Utah really got thrown into unjustifiably a no attention zone after that loss to Florida. They're still a damn good team. They easily could have won that game. I'll take Utah. All right, Mike. So just to recap, you got UCF minus two and a half at home, Mississippi State minus nine and a half at home, Tennessee three and a half on the road, TCU minus seven on the road, and Utah minus three and a half on the road. For feels like another five. four and one to me. That's what it that's what it feels like. So if you had to say your one loss, what do you think that one's gonna be? Is that is that the uh I'm no, I, I'm I'm struggling with the Tennessee LSU game. Yeah. I'm yeah. struggling with it. Fair enough. All right. Well, that yeah. wraps it up for the pick five. Yeah. And that pretty much wraps it up for us. Uh, again, uh, thoughts I do go have, um, Yeah. Oh, on, uh, well, I do have, this is non-football related. And, and of course, since I've, 
you know, randomly mention some film stuff here. I, sure. I, I'm doing this for you okay. uh, as, as a uh, as an under the radar off off the uh, the sporting world here. But do you know who Hart Bachner is? Hart Bachner is the deep snapper for Ball State. Is having a really good year. <laughs> uh, that's a good guess, but incorrect. Uh, no, okay. I would I would not have known this either. So don't don't feel bad. <laughs> um, but uh, just wanted to, to throw this out there. A, a happy 66th birthday hmm. to Hart Bachner, who in a 45 year movie and TV career is best known as the sleazeball Nakatomi exec Harry Ellis in Die Hard. Hans, Hans, Booby, I'm you your white deal, knight. You deal with a gun, I deal with a fountain pen. What's the difference? So, what was he? He played football. No, he did not. He didn't play football. I just, I know you're a diehard fan. And I am a diehard fan. So, I thought I would say, who the hell is Hart Bachner? Who is it? But that's Harry Ellis. There you go. Forty five. Has he years. ever been in another movie? Oh yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. It's actually so bad. Uh, as I did a little deeper dive on this, he does not answer questions about Die Hard anymore. It's like really, he's like I've done other stuff. Like, please ask me about anything other than cocaine and guns. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was not a likable guy in that movie. <laughs> he was not a likable guy. Yeah. So I just thought I'd throw that one. That that's that's for you, Mike. Okay, I appreciate that. Enough with the role playing. Put put the gun down. Come on, Hans. Uh, it's funny because I used to work with a guy named Hans in sports talk radio here in Atlanta. And there was another guy in the building that did the afternoon show, and that's all he did was torment this poor guy with quotes from Die Hard we're saying Hans Hans I mean how many yeah. Hans do you actually know that live in America not yeah, not many exactly well he uh he most recently was in um the, it was an Emmy nominated show um on Hulu the dropout uh which um uh goes through the uh the the Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes so he had uh he had a role in that show so he's he's still active and actually in something that people are watching a lot of and, okay and, and what thought, got, got some award nominations so i thought you were going to say just died i was going to be kind of melancholy and we'd have to play like the soft music in the background but he's still oh, no. he's no, still, still going okay. strong yeah good yeah. way to go he'll, he'll always be hans to me i don't care uh what he wants to be known for that's just that's just your your station in life sir uh hey uh, once again uh thoughts go out to jc he'll be back with us next week and as always, uh, thoughts to our fine sponsor, Blue Delta Jeans. Blue Delta Jeans, not just jeans, but to all kinds of pants now that they have. Just check out the website. You can get your measurements. You can do that on your own. You don't even have to go to their showroom, which is fantastic in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, you don't take, have to take my word for it. I'm just one of many that will tell you once you put on a pair of Blue Delta, that's it. You're hooked that is the one pair you're going to wear, and hopefully you'll be able to get more than one pair. You get what you pay for, and you get nothing but the best with Blue Delta, BlueDeltaJeans.com. Michael, nice work. Enjoyed it as always, and we will talk with you again next week. We'll be back to our normal day on Tuesday. So for Michael Haney, this is Mike Morgan saying so long for now. We'll see you next week on JC and Morgan. Nice work. All right, let me hit the stop button.